Women of Science and Music, 30 Celebrations, Episode 21, A Passion for Fleas. There's many a lass of the scientist clan. I don't know about you, but the possibility that anyone could develop a passion for fleas has never really crossed my mind. That is, of course, until I was swept along by the enthusiasm of a brilliant entomologist which jumps like a flea out of our wonderful books, along with our passion for life and all living things. She is the subject of this 21st episode of our podcast series, Women of Science and Music, 37. Celebrations. I am Frances M. Lynch, the Artistic Director of Electric Voice Theatre, and I hope you enjoy listening to my equally passionate guests. I'm Patricia Farrer. My name is Peter Smithers. I'm a historian of science. I'm an entomologist. I'm an Emeritus Fellow of Clare College, Cambridge. I worked at the University of Plymouth until 2013 when I retired. I'm particularly interested in why it is that there are so few women at the top levels of science. Anything with more than five legs is definitely of interest to me, but most of my research was focused on the behaviour and the ecology of spiders. One female scientist who did get to the top of her profession was Miriam Rothschild. Fleas can jump much further than any human athlete, up to ten times their own body length. That's just one of the many intriguing facts related by Miriam Rothschild, an extraordinary scientist who started collecting butterflies and ladybirds when she was four and grew up to become one of the world's leading entomologists. Insects often seem small and annoying, but they're crucial contributors to ecological diversity, and Miriam Rothschild was a pioneering conservation who introduced wildflower meadows and launched the UK's nature reserves. She specialised in fleas, which might sound like a minority interest, but the microscopist Robert Hooke drew a stunning image of this minute insect that was an itchy feature of his daily life, although he never realised that fleas were responsible for spreading the plague that swept across Europe in the 17th century. Because she belonged to the extended European family of Jewish bankers, Miriam Rothschild was extremely rich. She spent her great wealth on scientific projects and philanthropic activities such as caring for Jewish refugees, founding an institute for research into schizophrenia and supporting human rights movements. Miriam Rothschild was enterprising, independent and had little time for social conventions. During the Second World War, she worked on code-breaking at Bletchley Park, and as a child, she spent several months each year with her eccentric Uncle Walter, who built a massive natural history museum at Tree. She was an inevitable entomologist, because both her father and her uncle were passionate natural historians, and they were both really into butterflies. Her father took her on some of his trips. She even helped him to collect fleas. When I was six... My father let me collect fleas from a mouse in Transylvania. He always made me feel useful. I met the composer Karen Wimpest. There was an opportunity to write a piece about female scientists. And of course, Miriam was top of my list. And we composed purely from the words that Miriam had spoken herself. When I was four, my father gave me a butterfly net. She was so excited, she rushed into the garden and she was searching for butterflies. Her father then showed her how to kill them and how to mount them and display them in the collection. Exquisite, desirable trophies and earth. 
that time, she thought this was perfectly natural. And it was only later that she began to think that killing things was not such a good thing. And she became really concerned about the way that humans interacted with the animal kingdom. father and her uncle collected a huge number. The collection is currently at the museum at Tring. It exceeds two and a half million specimens and butterflies. It's absolutely prodigious. The unfolding and presentation of a whole order. The hunt for the different varieties was a big thing back in the Victorian era. It's certainly not now. The Different shapes and spots and... Yeah, different shapes and spots, patterns, yes. When my father died, I simultaneously discovered I no longer wanted to collect butterflies. The death of her father seemed to be synonymous with the death of his butterflies and she just abandoned any interest in science and natural history. Until a couple of years later, her brother had been given a project to do to kill and dissect and draw the major systems in a frog. And she helped him. The uh, luckless frog was duly caught and chloroformed and it was pinned out and they opened it up. And Miriam was fascinated. And she was then hooked and zoology was instantly back on the agenda. Let me introduce you to... Oh, Uncle Walter. Uncle Walter was um, a maverick. Lepidoptera. In every sense of the word, he just did as he pleased. I used to think it normal. A foreign hand zebra-drawn carriage down Piccadilly. He had a team of zebras and he tamed them and he used them to pull his horse-drawn carriage. He even used it when he went to visit the Queen at Buckingham Palace. Heaven knows what the footman thought when this arrived. Giant tortoises to transport us across the lawn. Uh, which I assume came from the uh, Galapagos. Miriam and brothers and sisters used to ride on the tortoises. They used to put a lettuce on a piece of stick and they would hold it out in front of the tortoise. And the tortoise would, of course, move forward to try and get the lettuce. Uncle Walter was an eccentric with a capital E. But a wonderful character. Almost everybody liked him. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you. Thank you very, very much indeed. Uncle Walter. Back when the Victorians made these huge collections, they were cabinets of curiosity. Curiously, it is only against the panorama of modern research that the full value of Uncle Walter's butterflies becomes apparent. There's all of the data about where and when they were collected, and that's been a very powerful tool in terms of looking at the impact of climate change on a whole range of organisms. These huge collections can be incredibly valuable to modern-day research. The family is very, very famous and very rich. Being a Rothschild just gave her amazing independence. So she could do lots of blue sky research, effectively. This gave her access to a range of people in very high and powerful positions. Itzhak Elchen and Rothschild, Mir Amschel, 
She was very conscious of being Jewish, and she was a great humanitarian. And she took in quite a few Jewish refugees during the war and looked after them. And I know she donated a lot to philanthropic causes that were protecting Jewish people. She felt you should treat everybody equally. Two curious facts. Living animals in large numbers are to some extent unattractive, repulsive. There is nothing more pleasing to the eye. One of Miriam's more famous publications was her Atlas of Insect Tissues. Then a good section of insect tissue. These sections are produced by actually embedding a flea in a little block of wax and then cutting very thin slivers of that wax off and included in that wax is a very small cross-section of that organism and that's mounted on a slide and then you can add various stains to enhance various bits and to differentiate various internal structures. She loved looking at a stained slide. Consider that intensely beautiful. I cut 6,000 sections to work out the muscles of the jump. It was using that technique that she worked out where the muscles were that contributed to the flea's powerful jump. Oh, jump. It was one of the great mysteries of her time. She and her colleague then discovered that at the base of the leg, there is this little pad of a substance called resin, a bit like rubber. And what the flea can do is to compress these and then to lock it in position with a little notch on its leg. And it can slip the spine into the notch and keep it compressed for a very long time so that it's always ready to jump. Then it can just release that mechanism. The resin just expands very rapidly and, and it just flicks the flea into the air. It can generate in excess of 200 Gs. <laughs> who loves a flea, but I do. The word ecology was only invented right at the end of the 19th century. So she must have been the pioneer in the whole field of ecology. She became an ecologist via her interest in actually establishing nature reserves. This is something that her father had set up. The broad idea was that they would look at the English countryside and decide which bits were really interesting and priceless and then try and organise their preservation. Her father, with some colleagues, toured the country and identified 282 sites. And then the Second World War came along. After the war, Miriam discovered that many of those reserves just no longer existed. They were gone. In 1949, the Nature Conservancy was founded. And of course, Miriam was involved in that. That then set up the national parks and nature reserves that we have today. She then worked with Peter Marum, went back and evaluated 182 of the sites that still existed. Some of these weren't actually designated as reserves at that point. And they published a book, The Rothschilds Reserves, Time and Fragile Nature. Miriam then worked tirelessly with local wildlife trusts to renovate them and to bring them into the fold of being nature reserves. So her contribution was Herculean. Black, white tiger lilies and iris. She decided that her farm at Ashton Wold needed to be a bit wilder and she started to experiment in ways that she could bring back the wildflower meadows that were there before the Second World War. She was then seen as the person to go to if you wanted to know about wildflower meadows 
And even Prince Charles came to call when he decided that he would like to have some wildfire medals at Highgrove. Gardens at Tring and several other of the other big Rothschild houses were all laid out in a more formal fashion. Her house at Ashton World was the odd one out. Like white tiger lilies and iris, white rose. And once she had children, then she had to abandon her love of parasites, and that's when she catalogued her father's flea collection and produced the huge volumes that are now world famous. My father was a flea man. And I became a flea girl. She had a wonderful reputation as a very thorough and a very effective scientist. She was a fellow of the Royal Society. Miriam was one of the pioneers in this whole new science of chemical ecology that has all sorts of effects on the pests of our crops, the food we eat, and it's just become a very important science. She's a pioneer in so many different fields. It's absolutely extraordinary. When the Wolfston report was gathering information on homosexuality, Miriam was was a champion and that led to the decriminalisation of homosexuality. I read that one day Princess Alice came to lunch and she found a fox sitting on the chair next to her at the dinner table. Her aunt had been a schizophrenic. She eventually brought her aunt home to live with her and she sponsored an awful lot of research into schizophrenia and she set up a foundation that used art therapy as a way of treating schizophrenics. Oh! She was a great pioneer and a huge benefactor on such a wide spectrum of activities and it's almost unbelievable. It still is very difficult for women. There's still a lot of prejudice against women in science. And she's a wonderful example of someone who just didn't care about that and got on with what she was doing. As a doing. shining example of somebody who's very open to new ideas. She was happy to work with anyone and everyone a vital lesson to the modern world. The fact that Miriam Rothschild set up all those nature reserves and introduced wildflower meadows. This has benefited so many people. We can't imagine a world without nature reserves in the UK and especially over this pandemic where they've suddenly played such a vital role in health and well-being. And she was directing the world towards the future and what a fantastic legacy to leave. Karn Wimhurst, performed by the composer as the bass clarinet playing flea, and myself as Miriam Rothschild. It was written in association with Peter Smithers and Dr Ruth Gilbert. And of course, we'll finish as usual with my adaptation of Mary Maxwell Campbell's March. Many thanks to our speakers, Dr Patricia Farah and Peter Smithers, and to you for listening. Do join us for future episodes of Women in Science and Music 30 Celebrations. Oh!